thoroughly researched and engrossing, explores far more than the works of Heinlein, and dives deep into what makes a master storyteller's work function. Tim Niederreiter, acclaimed military science fiction author. Remember the flashlight under the covers? Remember the books you read that way? Remember how many of them were handed to you by a parent, an uncle, a teacher, a family friend who said they'd read it when they were your age? Remember how they made you want to tell great stories if only you could figure out how? Thought-provoking gave me a much deeper understanding of the process and building blocks that Robert Heinlein used. Terry Mixon, author, Empire of Bones. This is the story of 12 of those books and their writer and how they changed the face of publishing and childhood and space travel and more, and how you can learn to do the same. If you want to learn more about crafting stories that have more than a simple storyline, you'll enjoy The Secrets of the Heinlein Juvenile, Travis J. Corcoran, award-winning author of The Powers of the Earth. Go to HeinleinSecrets.com now to get your copy with exclusive bonus chapters and more goodies available only between now and October 6th. That's H-E-I-N-L-E-I-N-Secrets.com. The Secrets of the Heinlein Juvenile. Make your books the ones that parents hand to their children for generations to come. Welcome to The Everyday Novelist. My name is J. Daniel Sawyer, author of nearly 30 books, more than 30 short stories, and numerous articles and scripts and essays, coming to you from up in the crow's nest with my spyglass on this daily voyage through the dicey waters of business, craft, learning, and art in the writing life. Today we have a question from me. (laughs) This might be a first. But uh, I caught Kitty at the tail end of our rant about um, wisdom and maturity in characterization that I thought was too good to let go, and I want to hear the whole thing. You were complaining about boomers and what they've done to characters. (laughs) Um, Society has always respected the elderly and the aged for their wisdom and their contribution, because by the time... In, in older traditional societies, by the time people get to old age, they don't have a lot to offer except for knowledge and culture and sometimes power. But a lot of that power derives from knowledge and wisdom. Right. And cultural experience. And they're no longer able to do backbreaking labor associated with gather, getting food or building stuff. So they just have the wisdom. And... I think in the space of our generation, literally our generation. Ours being the Xers. Ours being the Xers. And one of the examples I used was the way that the vampires are treated in um, Interview with a Vampire, which came out in the late 80s or early 90s, versus the Twilight. most recent output of vampires. And um, Buffy might have been a transitional mm. period because yeah, that's a good point. Like I hadn't thought about that. A bunch of ancient beings that are hanging around high schools, 
Why? And having the interpersonal dynamics of high schoolers. And yeah, and uh, another example was the difference between how Al Pacino plays the devil versus um, versus Tom Tom Ellis and Lucifer. And I love that series and I love that show because it is a show about maturation. But it upends the whole notion that being old imparts any kind of wisdom or being above the petty human concerns. I, that is, or indeed, an appreciation for the non-flashy things in life mm-hmm. that you often see with older characters and older people. They uh, they develop an appreciation for subtlety and nuance, mm-hmm. and and they develop patience. Yeah, and to have a being that's what billions billions of years old that's got the patience of a teenager and the hedonic curve of a teenager right and pretty silly but then his entire he's he's not like a black sheep in his family his entire family is full of pettiness and immaturity and immortal beings that are all emotionally five yeah they're they're in fact they're worse than he is He's matured by being on Earth and, and talking to 30-year-olds, somehow. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, it, it's been this odd transition when you see anything before, like, 1995 versus anything after. Old beings are just like us in really bizarre ways. And it seems... At times unrealistic, but then you look at um, <laughs> look at the boomers that are in charge. Like not necessarily your grandpa, not necessarily your your sixty year old friend that's really super cool, but the ones that are in charge of everything. It, it's like wow, you never grew up, and you just grew old and boring. Even though you were awesome hippies, how did you do that? How? And How some of the go... awesome hippies became awesome old people. We know one in particular who's right. just fantastic. Yeah. But a lot of the... They, they, they got respectable and then they got boring. Mm-hmm. So or they stayed petulant. Yeah. Which is the, the most disturbing part of it all. In any case, these are some stories that I really, really, truly love. But I I would love to see older, immortal characters that are really alien because of their age and having seen it all. Mm-hmm. That have different priorities from youngsters. Way different priorities than us. And way different concerns. This Just throwing it out. Please <laughs> indulge me. Well, that's a good rant. <laughs> um, I may have to take you up on that. I haven't... Tr- I have... Mm, well, I have waded into long life in some of the unpublished stuff, but I haven't waded into immortal characters yet. Well, there there is a time travel story ticking around in my head that involves a person basically living their life completely over with their, all their old memories and living it a completely different way because they have the priorities of a... 40 or 50 year old instead of a 20 year old. So like taking the freaky Friday taking the freaky Friday premise and playing it straight to see what happens. Playing it straight and not having a, a crossover. Not 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 having a, a a quick fix at the end. Interesting. I can't wait till you write that. I would love to read that and also see how you deal with the paradox problem. Mm. All right. Well, um 
This, if if you keep doing this, we'll have to have a, a special episode sort called Kitty Rants because you've got a lot of these great rants built up in you. And, uh, you know, since you are one of the you are the person with the finest instinct for story that I have ever met, um, might be a way for some of the listeners to get a little bit more out of you. So I'm not hogging you all to myself. All right, thank you very much, Kitty, and uh, You're welcome. thank you, me, for asking the question. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see me tomorrow. <laughs> the Everyday Novelist is written by J. Daniel Sawyer and presented by J. Daniel Sawyer and Kitty McKeon and is produced by Artistic Whispers Productions Incorporated. The text is copyright 2021 J. Daniel Sawyer and the production is copyright 2021 Artistic Whispers Productions Incorporated. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License and all other rights are reserved to their respective owners. Join the conversation. Submit a question, leave a comment, or a creative death threat. Or find me at jdsawyeronminds.com or hit me at feedback at jdsawyer.net. We can't do it without you.